Welcome to the Coach Growth Podcast, where we hope to provide value and learning to not only young and new coaches, but all coaches who want to continue to grow. I am your host, Coach Andrew McKacky. If you get something out of today's episode, please leave a rating and a review, and don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest episode. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at Coach McGacky, that's M-C-G-H-G-H-Y, and don't be afraid to reach out with any coaches or topics you want to hear me talk about. Today I'm joined by not only one of my favorite coaches, but just all-around favorite people, Brad Dixon, head football and track coach in Camp Point, Central Illinois, just 40 minutes down the road from me here in Macomb. We talk about Brad's journey, not only as a, as a young coach, taking over the reins of the Camp Point Central football program, but his transition into coaching track, what that's been like, how he found Feed the Cats, and how that transformation kind of took over, and how he bought into that philosophy, and what's that's done for not only his track program, but his football program as well. You can find Brad on Twitter at Coach B. Dixon, which I will link in the description, as well as links to many of his articles and webinars. So please enjoy. All right, I'm joined by Brad Dixon, coach and teacher down at Camp Point, Illinois, Probably the second best small school program in West Central Illinois. I'm from Carthage, so I'm biased, you know, but uh, you guys are doing great things down there. Um, your football program's had a lot of success over the years. Obviously, your track team's always uh, very competitive. Brad, let's start, you know, as always, let's start at the beginning. Kind of tell everybody how you got into coaching, what led to that, and, you know, your, your journey through the years. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm from a small town, uh, New Boston, Illinois, in West Central Illinois played football there and, and got an opportunity to play uh, one year at uh, Knox College or got a chance to play at Knox College, I guess. Uh, I played for one year, uh, wasn't a big fan of the school and loved football. And at that time I was going to be computer science. Uh, but then I, you know, I always wanted to coach. And so after I played that year, it really uh, kind of reignited that, that a little bit. And, and I decided to transfer to junior college and, and start on the teaching path. And then uh, fortunately, um, uh, I think the next year I was able to get hired on at my alma mater, Westmore High School, which was, uh, it's now part of Mercer County. And so um, I was able to get on as a assistant football coach and a junior high basketball coach at the age of 19 while I was going to, to junior college in the Quad Cities. So that's kind of how I got started in it. Um, we had our own program at Westmore for two years and then uh, numbers were dropping and uh, the same situation happened with Yorkwood, which is a uh, a former school here also in, in Western Illinois. And so for two years, we co-opted in football. We were the Westwood Wolfpack. Um, we played Carthage back then. That was, uh, I think, the, we played them in the last game as, as Carthage back in what had been 2005 or 2006. Um, and uh, from there, I graduated uh, after that year and uh, was able to get on down here in Camp Point in 2007 because I had four years of basketball and, and football coaching experience. And so they were able to hire a first year teacher at that point. I didn't really have any, didn't know anything about Camp Point at the time. I just needed a job back then. And and fast forward, I think this is my 14th year down here um, and I have never left. So it's been a been a pretty fun ride. And, uh, you know, we're I'm excited just about the, the type of people we have down here. And it, it feels a lot like where I'm from. How long did it take you to transition from assistant to head coach at Camp Point? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I started in 2007. Um, a coach by the name of Tony Goodwin was, I think, in his second or third year. And uh, so I was an assistant under him. And um, he moved on after that first year. And, and so I think I was 23 or 4. I don't think I turned 24 yet. I uh, applied for the head coaching job because I, I wasn't sure what we were going to bring in. And, and lo and behold, our principal at the time, who had 
um, kind of been watching things. He uh, he was from Carthage. Bill Reed, both his sons played in, on state championship teams, and, and Bill was a part of uh, state championship teams up there at Carthage, and he had become our principal shortly before I got here. And, and they decided that at 23 or 4, um, they liked what I was doing in the classroom. Our football program was, was kind of in the tank at that point in time. Um, we'd had a 1 and 8. The year before I got here as an assistant, we were three and six uh, that first year that they thought someone like Bill with all that experience, even though he's the principal, it'd be good for him to take it over for a few years and then pass it on to me uh, as I got a little bit older and just as I'd been in Camp Point for, for a while. So uh, that started in 2008. Uh, so 2008, Bill was the head coach, 2009 and 10. So for three years, he was the head coach. And then uh, before that 2011 season, I was the D coordinator for that. Um, you know, and he helped me out with, uh, you know, just brought me in on decisions and kind of showed me the inner workings. It ended up being a blessing because I was able to kind of get my feet wet without getting thrown into the fire. And then so in 2011, he stepped aside. He was still the principal and um, he became the offensive coordinator and I became the head coach. We just flipped a few of the roles. And then um, after that uh, 2011 season, he took another job at Athens. And he and both his sons have been part of a pretty amazing run that the Athens football program, he was the principal there, uh, well, well, be for the last probably 10 years. And I think he just retired this past year. So um, it took me, from Camp Point, it took me uh, my fourth, sorry, my fifth year, I became the head coach here. And, and uh, it, we've been, you know, we've been sailing ever since. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate that uh, my offensive coordinator, Casey Ray, is a graduate of Central. He's been here for... I think 13 of the 14 years that I've been here. Casey Monroe, we were able to, uh, Bill Reed had a connection uh, with him through playing at, at Illinois College with his son. He's from Mascouda. He came in, I think he's been here for 12 of the 14. And then um, Jonah Cogshell, who was uh, all-conference uh, third team, uh, third place in the state of Illinois in wrestling. He's a former player of ours, and, and he's our fourth assistant. And uh, so we've been pretty lucky to keep keep people around and that that's been a huge part of our success because we haven't had all that turnover in coaches and and uh, you know we've been able to to kind of keep things going because we all know what our jobs are when I first met you it was as a track coach how did that come about you know I know you're a football guy you started out as a football guy what made you get into coaching track and field uh, a couple things so I was a basketball coach too from from when I took over in junior high I came here I did one year in Camp Point in junior high, and then I moved up with uh, Coach Todd Plattner at the high school level from, shoot, 2008 through, I think, 2014. I was a JV, you know, lead assistant for basketball. And uh, Coach Plattner uh, decided to go back to Pittsfield, where he was from, after that 2014 season. And I, it was getting harder with uh, – we had just started a family to, for me to go, you know – basketball all June, football July, right into the football season. And then we were we were winning enough that, that we were at times crossing over seasons with basketball. And then I'd go all the way through March and that was getting tough. And so I decided it was a good breaking point for me. So I started officiating basketball uh, five years ago. And then uh, one of my assistants that we had hired in that time, Mike Bickerman from Rushville, was uh, one of the track coaches. And there was a track opening and he kind of begged me. And I really didn't want to because I was officiating, I was doing football, and, and he's like, come on, I really, you know, I need somebody, I'll, I'll set up the practice plans, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and so that's what got me started, and that really kind of changed everything, because once um, once I got started in the track, somehow, you know, through, through 
uh, Coach Bickerman. I got introduced to the Feed the Cat stuff with, with Coach Holler and and uh, really, I mean, for the first time, understood what, what a max speed or a sprint workout looked like. You know, what I thought were sprints in football are, are not sprints. And, and uh, really, from that point on, it really changed my whole mindset on speed. And, and then it still took a year and a half to two years for me to tr make that transition into football as, as an old school meathead guy, you know. But, but without making that jump into track with Coach Bickerman, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have made that switch in football. And then Coach Bickerman got an opportunity to go back to Rushville where he was still had a house with his wife and kids and just tend to be a part of his kids' school. And so, um, you know, I, I became the head track coach then, I think, three years ago or four years ago. And um, you know, that's kind of where we are now. Obviously, you know, I, I want to touch more on Feed the Cats. But one of the things I think that's so cool about you putting that system into, you know, obviously in your track program, but also into football, West Central Illinois, run the ball, run the rock. I, I come from a double tight, double wing system in high school. And I know Camp Point, you know, has ran that for a long time. And, you know, you think speed, you think spread, right? That kind of thing. And but it's, it's awesome to see a team like you guys that, that rush, you know, that run the ball so well, showing that, you know, it can work for any system, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I tell people. Uh, we're a 1A school. We have, you know, right now, I think we've got maybe as much as 55 or 56, which for us is, is phenomenal at the 1A level that, that are planning on playing in February. You know, and we're double tight, double wing. And, and for us to be speed focused, it seems very counterintuitive because you would think we're, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, Iron Man football, play both sides. And, and, and so I always tell people, if you can platoon or if you have the guys to spread it out, um, I mean, this is going to work amazing for you. Um, we're making it work. And the reason that, that – and we have wrinkles depending on who we have each year, but, but over our time and, and just the kind of kids that we get, uh, we get hard-nosed, you know, now fast guys that can run. We don't always have a big arm quarterback. We don't always have, you know, the super athletic linemen. Um, you know, we've got farm kids. And, and so it's really fit where we've been able to kind of plug and replace and, and keep the, the main base system in place. And, and honestly, it, everything's kind of came full circle because now our – obviously here where, where we're at in our conference, we've got Triopia and Brown County and, and some of those that are running a similar – offense but when, when we get into the the south division that we cross over or we get out of here in the playoffs what we do it, it, teams don't see and they don't know how to defend because they don't see many tight ends and they definitely don't see three backs in the backfield so it's kind of an advantage for us because so many teams have gone to spread that uh, it's kind of our belief that that if you're going to do something that someone else does well then you better be the best at it like a rochester you know someone like that that, that hey this is what we do and we're the best at it or you better be different because, you know, everyone's running spread, everyone's running counter tray, everyone's running bubble, people are running RPOs. And, um, you know, we just, for what we know how to coach well and the way our kids are, um, this works for us. And then when you add that speed component, when you, you know, and hopefully the discipline that we have in running our offense and, and having multiple ways to attack you, it, it's pretty difficult, um, you know, and so it, it's worked well for us for the last whatever be 14 years when I took over as the track coach I was still a football guy in track season I was always thinking about football but over the years it's you know it's really grown on me and I love you know I absolutely love being a track coach did you know did you kind of did that kind of happen to you did that you know do you do you remember what like that kind of switch happened to you oh absolutely um I think back on a, on a <laughs> the, the first time I realized that you know the first thing is the fact that the the rest part of track 
you know, in your football, you know, at that time I was go, 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 and we're, we're jogging here, we're running here. As soon as our feet hit the, the ground, our helmets are on and we're running everywhere. And then I got to track practice and, and you're just kind of looking around and like, damn. Because when, when I used to watch track practice from the weight room, we were doing spring lifting, I, I'd be like, man, those guys are real lazy out there. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, I didn't push a lot of kids to track because I, I just didn't understand it. And uh, I thought we'd be better served to be lifting hard. I didn't, I didn't tell them not to ever, um, you know, but, but it wasn't like at my foot, end of the year football meeting, I said, you all need to do track, blah, 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 blah. I never said those things. Um, and then we get to our first track meet and, and I'm one of those crazy guys that wears shorts in football games. That's just what I've always done. I, I put shorts on for that first track meet and like to froze to death because there's so much downtime in between races and things like that, that it just wasn't the same. Um, but then now as, as I've done it, uh, the, the, the part I love the most is football is such a, you know, you're on a, a time schedule and you got so many things to put in that uh, your, your opportunities to interact outside of competition or outside of practice um, are very limited. And, and, and in a track perspective, though, when you got so much rest time and your practices are shorter, um, there's so much more interaction, meets, things like that. You can develop, in my opinion, so much better relationship with, with the kids and track, uh, which I love. And then, you know, from a football and a track standpoint, you know, we're fortunate to have a great baseball program, too, and Coach Tinhouse does that. Um, he, he, he coaches junior high baseball and pushes kids into our football program. Hey, you know, in high school, you should play football. We have a good relationship. You know, he, some of our really good football players play baseball. Some of them run track. Sometimes he'll say, hey, you know, this kid may not play as much in baseball, but he may be really able to help you out in track. So we really work together, and, and we just try to get all of our athletes into one of the sports. Um, you know, but as a football coach, and, and that's why I was – disappointed for lots of reasons not having a spring but uh we, we were up to 35 boys from I think 19 four years ago and we were getting kids out that otherwise wouldn't but they were seeing the value of the speed part of it and um you know they were seeing the value to football and I was able to kind of be that bridge and then and I talked to him about how fun it is and and uh you know we try to create that culture with our sprinters you know you're in you're out you're home by you know within 45 minutes and that type of thing and and um, we really, and we've had some guys flip from baseball to track, you know, for, for different reasons, but, uh, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. And then I tell the kids sometimes that I like track more than football um, at times because, uh, you know, just all those things that I've talked about make it so much more of a, in my opinion, a personal sport, because it seems like football, you're just always kind of on the go or on edge or you're always game plan. There's no game planning for track. You're not, you're not spending your weekends watching film and doing all those types of things that you are for football. We're always kind of focused on the next opponent and, and, and that makes track definitely a, a unique in that regard. Two points on that. The first one, like you were saying, I love being a part of the track coaching community. It's so open, you know, and there's so many guys that are, you know, willing to share and, and, and brainstorm and, and bounce ideas off each other. Um, whereas, you know, football, it's kind of, you know, it's all about that win on Friday night. And it's, you know, whereas like you were saying in track, you're just trying to get your kids as best as they can be, hope that's good enough to win and, and things like that. It's really, it's been really, uh, what I want to say, I don't know, just nice over the years, you know, meeting guys like you, um, uh, you know, all the, all the, all the local track coaches, they're all nice people. Right. And I've, I, you know, I've gone to like seven on sevens and such, and you know, all those football coaches, they, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to get to know you. They don't care about you. They just care about beating you. 
you know, track, it tracks really open. I remember not to get super cheesy here, but we host a conference, I want to say three years ago. And I had a really young team. We weren't overly competitive. We ended up winning the four by four and we were all waiting for medals and you walked up and you were just like, Hey coach, that was a good looking four by four, you know, good job. And that was the first time a coach that wasn't Emily or Jerry Platt, our girls coach <laughs> and the coach of Monmouth had ever like said anything to me. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I was just a young punk who didn't know anything or didn't know anybody, but I was like, all right, so these people are nice. And then, you know, from there, obviously I've built a bunch of relationships and friendships through the sport, but it's, you know, football, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to build those. Um, but you are doing, you know, you have the, the tri-state football clinic, which helps out. Uh, you start, did you start that? Yeah. Seven, yeah. Years, was that seven years ago. Gosh, I don't know now since we, we, uh, we lost the one during the COVID, but yeah, I mean, to, to those points, um, you know, football, I I'd say definitely for a long time. And, and I, I've tried to do my best to share and help out as many guys as I can, but you're right. You know, we, football coaches, there's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot of, you know, just things, you know, sometimes there's film exchange in the background with other teams, especially in the playoffs, you know, you may not disclose injuries or, you know, there's just a lot of that gamesmanship that happens. You're, you're, you're putting in trick plays this week for certain situations. Um, but when it's track, I mean, you can be sitting at the triple jump and, and be standing next to a coach from another school and be like, coach, can you watch this? We keep trying to fix the second phase, but it's, I don't know, you know, what I'm saying is not working. And they may say, yeah, hey, man, he, I mean, everybody in the track, and I'm not saying football coaches aren't, but when you get to a meet, all the track coaches, you know, want you to be successful. They want the kids to individually be successful and they're there to help. And I mean, you can say, hey, can you, can you get these splits on this, this group as I do something? And, and that's what I love about the track community because there's, again, just like the players, there's so much time and interaction in between events or, or, or while the two miles going on and just things like that, where there's some, some downtime where it's not super intense that you can build those relationships. Um, but yeah, from a football standpoint, um, the, the tri-state clinic came kind of selfishly <laughs> because uh, I had, uh, you know, been going to clinics for a while and it just seemed like go to a clinic and, and out of, 20 speakers maybe there were two or three that really fit what we did or what I thought could help and so I thought you know what together Iowa Missouri and Illinois and, and uh, so I initially was just going to have like a wing T clinic because the wing T coaches were kind of dying out a little bit thought we could get Jim Unruh and, and Rich Thompson and all these wing T guys from around and, and then I thought well that might be just a little bit too inclusive of a group and so I decided to have a wing T clinic inside of a larger clinic and so that's kind of how it started. We, we still have a room. So some guys come and they never leave a certain room because it's just a wing tee or a power run speaker every time. And then we have a spread room. And then we have uh, uh, just a defense special teams program organization. And, and it's been pretty awesome because uh, we've added some keynote speakers on a Friday night. We've added uh, college, some college coaches. And this year we are set up to have about 315 coaches come into Quincy and, and of course, that was right at the start and we had to make the decision to cancel. And, uh, but yeah, it's been a great experience. I've gotten to know so many more coaches and contacts in, in all these different States as a result. And it's, it's, it's a labor because, you know, we get done with our season, hopefully around Thanksgiving. And then I get right into that. I start officiating and then I start securing coaches and, and things like that. And that takes me through the holidays because I want to have it ready to go by the end of January. And, but uh 
yeah, I mean, it's something that I think has been good for the, for the tri-state area. And, and as, I mean, as long as people are still willing to come, we're, we're planning on having it because it's a, it's a fun weekend here in Quincy for sure. So between that, you know, you, you speak at TFCs, you've done a lot of podcasts, webinars, you know, um, over the years, you've, you've really become kind of a, a spokesperson for, you know, feed the cats and especially feed the cats in football. Did you, did you know that was going to happen? You know, like, did you know that you were going to become one of these guys that everybody looked to for all these answers? No, not at all. I mean, um, I reached out to Tony in the uh, summer of, well, how, how it all kind of started with the feed the cats, obviously in track. Um, I got to know who Tony was through articles and, and started following him on Twitter. And, you know, I, I like the fringe guys. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not a huge mainstream type person. I think that's why I'm drawn to guys like Tony and, and Corfist and Victor and those guys, because um, the stuff they're putting out is not stuff I get anywhere else. And so I was kind of attracted to that to begin with. And um, then uh, we just, we had gone through a, kind of a lull. I mean, we had, we had went to the semifinals two times in my first four years. Um, and then we had a five and five season and a seven and three and an eight and three. And, and, you know, that just wasn't what, I mean, we, we expected, I guess, more out of our team at that point. We had a lot of injuries and just things happening. We kind of needed a spark. And so Tony wrote those, that football trilogy about, um, you know, essentially what he would do and how he would feed the cats in football. And uh, I think the first one's like uh, new new ideas for old school football coaches. So I read it right before the 2017 season. I think they came out late July and, and early August. Well, heck, you know, we were pretty much committed to the 2017 season. But but I sent it to my offense coordinator and my guys, and, and they're all out-of-the-box thinkers too. And so we chewed on a little bit, and we started the year. And I, I forget uh, – I think we lost week one, and, and then we lost another one in there. And so we were sitting like it three and two, somewhere in there, and, and we decided to go down to pads only one day a week, helmets on Tuesdays, try to keep our guys more fresh. We started putting some of those ideas into place in that 2017 season. We reeled off, I think, four or five straight victories and uh, lost on the last play in the second round um, against Carrollton. And so then when the 2018 season rolled around, well, I was kind of all in on it just because of the what I thought was worked well for us in 2017. Um, I reached out to Tony in the summer and like Tony does, he didn't give me any answers. I just sent him, I sent him a, an outline of what I was thinking about. And uh, he goes, yeah, it looks good. He goes, just, just remember, you know, less is more. And he just gave me his, his principles, you know, and I kind of wrote that in an article that I was hoping for his approval. I was hoping for him to say, no, do this, do that. And he doesn't because he, he wants you to think, and that's his whole build your own house thing. And, uh, and so we went all in. We had a knew we had a great team coming back in 2018, and so um, we went all in with it, not knowing. You know, we're hoping that. And, you, and from the outside, I mean, even our athletic director, who's who's a good friend of mine, it's like, you, you guys aren't practicing on Saturdays anymore. No, really. Um, you, you're not even taking you know, I'm taking the kids out on Mondays anymore. No, you're not conditioning. You know, it's just kind of like things from the outside. It looks like we're being lazy because. We're doing a lot less, but in the reality of it, our, on our guys, we're honestly a little pissed at the beginning because they wanted to play both ways and they were so used to playing both sides of the ball. And so they're, you know, kids want to play, but as the season went on and we stayed fresh and, and we were, you know, winning games in the first half and, and our guys started to 
love it. And they, they were thankful that they were only playing one way. They felt super explosive. And fortunately, we were able to run it out through and, and play for a state championship. And so, um, you know, when you do that, no matter what you're doing, people think that you have some magic potion. And so, uh, you know, people were reaching out, wanting to know what we were doing. And then Tony said, hey, do you want to come speak at TFC, which I'd always want to get to a TFC, but it, it just didn't work out when I was coaching basketball. And then the summertime, I just hadn't, even though I wanted to. Um, I, uh, I said, yeah, let me check with my wife. And, and she let me go up there. And I spoke at that first one, just about what we did. I, 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 the whole thing was like, here's what we used to do. I had screenshots of our old practice plans and, and our old schedule, pretty much just calling me out for all the things I did wrong. And I, I challenged the guys kind of in the room to think differently, um, like we had to do. And, uh, you know, people enjoyed it, I guess. And, and uh, I, I use Twitter a lot to pose different thoughts and ideas. And, and so I started sharing a little bit more on there, some of the things we were doing differently and, and offering for people if they're interested. And, you know, some days you'd get 100 emails if I shared something or whatever. And so I just started giving guys some ideas of what we do and, and uh, just kind of blew up from there. And, and then as more and more people were having success with it and putting their own spin on it, and, um, you know, people were promoting it more obviously now. And, and so it's kind of fun to be in on the ground floor of it, you know, but obviously without – Coach Holler kind of challenging the norm, which is hard to do because, you know, if you're doing what everyone else is, if we were running spread and we were running counter tray and bubble and everything like that, and we were practicing three hours a night conditioning and we weren't winning, we can fall back and say, hey, we're doing what everyone else is doing. We're trying our best. But when you go against that norm and you start doing things that are different, you know, your offense is different, your defense is a little bit different, the way you practice is different, you know, it's hard because if, if you're not successful in that regard early on, then people – start calling you out because, you know, so there's really no security when you, when you take that leap, but you know, the emails I get back from people and they just talk about how much better they feel, how much better their kids feel, how much more explosive they are, you know, and Tony and I share those back and forth and those are fun to see. And, and uh, you know, there, there's issues with everything. There's no full foolproof way to win. If there was, everyone would run the same thing. Everyone would practice the same, you know? And so I always say as a coach, it's, it's, it's got to be whatever you can tolerate and what you can get yourself to believe and what your kids believe. And, and that's kind of how I start all those presentations is this is what we do. Um, it may not work for you based upon who you have or, or your grouping or whatever, but this is what we try to do. And, I, and we try to talk in, in principles and, and what we're trying to do. And hopefully some guys can take parts of it. Um, and a lot of them have. The thing I love the most probably is, you know, when you look at, you look at Tony, right? He's in, he's at Plainfield North, this big high school, thousands of kids, all this town to choose from. And so when you see that and you see his success, you're like, oh, that just makes sense, right? If I had that many kids, I would be really good too. But here you are, you know, 40 minutes away from us here in Macomb doing the same thing, you know, having incredible success doing the same thing with, you know, being a 1A school, you know, and that's kind of the thing. Well, oh, feed the cat works if you have, if you have the athletes and you have the numbers, to, you know, to two platoon, whatever, but you found a way to make it work with your, you know, with your small numbers being a 1A team. So you're the ultimate example of it can work at both ends, right? You can, obviously the, the big seven, eight, eight schools can do this kind of stuff, but small schools can too, if they do it right and they do it well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where the other part of Tony's thing that, that probably doesn't get as much notoriety is the record rank and publish stuff, um, you know, for, for a long time outside of the weight room, right? We always kind of flew blind when it came to sprint data and jumps. We may do it 
beginning of summer, go through a 12-week summer, do it at the end, then maybe we don't test a 40 again or pro agility or the vertical jump until the following summer, you know. And, and but we're always, you know, we're always on these six, eight week lifting cycles. We're maxing, we're testing. We, we always do that. We check all those boxes there. Um, but and then we just hoped at the end that a kid would be faster. Um, you know, we just use stopwatches, right? We try. We buy all the best weight room stuff. We use stopwatches when it comes to everything else. And so when we got the free lap and, and we started recording everything and and uh, making it everything mean something, you know, I was just showing some kids in my athletic PE last period, a, a new kid, he's a senior, but he, he's in there for the first time. And he was asking me because, I mean, he ran a 119 in the flight 10 a week and a half ago, and he went 112 um, in a 10 yard uh, today. And so I was just kind of showing him, hey, you know, not every time this is going to happen, you know, you're going to have peaks and valleys. And, and I said, but we want to see a trend line. So I showed him a chart from, from a, another senior that we had that's in his class that's now one of the fastest kids in the school. He started with a 59940 and he's he's been in the four sevens. And I showed him how, you know, daily it moves up and down and up and down and up and down, but his trend line for two and a half years. And I think it took him two years to run sub five. Um, but we kept tracking it, we kept promoting it, and we kept pushing him. And uh, you know, if I if I wouldn't have been collecting this data and, and recording, you know, we probably would have just said, That kid's slow. He's not, you know, we're probably gonna play him at guard. Um, you know, now. I was just, we've started our football contact days. I was just telling him last night, you know, he's going to get reps at quarterback, fullback, wingback, and tight end um, because he's that versatile and he's, you know, he's, he's strong for his size and he's fast and athletic. And, and, uh, and he was a kid that, I mean, he, he couldn't do much for us as a freshman, but, you know, and so when I see that data now and I, we get to a similar kids, you can say, Hey, and you can use that. Hey, see him out there doing all these things. This is where he was. You know, you already have ran, you know, say it's a 40. You've already, you may not think four, seven, or sorry, 579 is very fast right now. That kid went 499, 599 the first time I tested him. You know, you're already ahead of where he was. And I, and I think, I think obviously more people are catching on, but outside of the track world, I think most field sport people just felt like you're either fast or you're not. And, and I think that's the whole, you know, feed the cats is only for, for upper level athletes. Uh, it works the best for the guys that are the least skilled, the guys that are slow, the guys that are still maturing. I mean, they, they see unbelievable jumps. I mean, I celebrate a guy running, you know, sub seven in the 40 for the first time and then sub six for the first time and things like that. Um, sometimes more so than I do a guy that goes from four, seven to four, six because we kind of expect that out of them. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, it's, that part of it has changed our football program because our, our guys, I mean, they, they want to always improve and, and, you know, whether we start practice with it or we do it in my athletic PE class. I mean, yesterday is a great example. I mean, I have, I have a, a, a guy that was a football guy um, and a basketball guy. So he's six sophomore, six, two, you know, 165, 170. I uh, played football for the first time last year, played a lot of varsity basketball. About three days before the COVID, I had talked him into coming out for track. He buys his spikes. He practices three times and the COVID hits. Um, he ran sub one. He ran 098 in his 10-yard fly yesterday with his spikes on. And, and next thing I know, he's running them with his shoes on. I go, what are you doing? Where's your spikes? He goes, I just traded them with this kid. This kid was a baseball kid that had ran 102. He wanted to try to break one. So 
my guy that had never done track until last year is trading his spikes with a kid that does baseball and also plays football. And, you know, the kid goes 098 in those spikes and they're all both having fun. They want to run another one. And, uh, you know, that's just, just yesterday with a very overcast kind of rainy type day. I mean, that, those are the things that we were doing. And, and uh, it's just awesome to see that, that in the days of going out and killing kids and conditioning and all that, you know, they, they'd want to see how fast they could get out of there. But those kids were, were enjoying it and having so much fun and, and getting faster in the process. I've been coaching the line here for going on seven years now. And we, we've started our contact days. And Monday night, we, we were working poles, right, in our offensive indie drill. And I pulled out – the free lap was locked up in the weight room out, uh, out of touch. But I pulled out a stopwatch I had in the office, and I was timing linemen pulling. And I've never seen more competitiveness, excitement out of a kid, you know, even a big kid to do. Cause you know, all, as soon as they heard their time, it was instant. Like, okay, I'm going to get faster. I'm going to pull faster. I'm going to, you know, and you know, Tony talks all the time. If you're not timing something, you're not really going hundred percent. And so it's really cool to, you know, obviously track you, everything's timed, right. And marked and it's all, it's all, there's, there's numbers to everything, but it's really cool when you bring that into football practice, right. And kids can see that. And even, even though even alignment, you tell alignment, Hey, this is your time. And this, whatever, a kid that doesn't care about how fast he is all of a sudden cares about being faster. And it's really, it was really great to see. And it was awesome. And, you know, find ways like that to plug speed in. Yeah. I mean, and you, you don't even have to record those in practice. I mean, you can just challenge the kids, um, you know, by yelling the time and they want to have the best time out of the group. You know, if we had a bigger staff or if I had managers and all that, I would keep track of a lot more of that data if we had, you know, if we had the people, but we don't because, you know, at the 1A level, um, you know, we don't have a large uh, group of teachers to begin with. And so to get teachers that are all that want to coach football, that's hard to do. And then to find volunteers in our rural community that aren't working till five o'clock or six o'clock at night. So, we just haven't had that personnel to, to do some of that. But yeah, when you put the, you know, a lot of times the skill guys will, will use the free lab, but most of the time the linemen will just use stopwatches of their phone and you'll hear them over there yelling and they'll be working on backside reaches or poles or, or whatever. And, and they're challenging themselves to get faster. And, and we lay it out to them, you know, guys, here's why we're doing this. If you can run this fast, you can play at 80% so much better than you could at a much slower max speed. And the, the more efficient you move, the less energy you're wasting throughout the game. And, and you're going to feel so much more powerful. And, and the kids understand. And, and we try to lay that out day one and um, about <clears throat> why we're not doing the traditional conditioning and things like that. Now, you know, last year we had, we had some issues with uh, being focused in our RPR and our, our pre-practice warm-up because this was year, you know, last year was year two of us all in on it. So I said, okay. I said, that's fine. We can, uh, if you guys want to, we'll go back to the old way. And I made him run a lap and then uh, we ran a gasser or two. And I said, now, which, which way would you rather? And of course, then we didn't have that issue anymore, but every once in a while, you got to remind them of, um, you know, there is another way to do this. And you guys let me know what you think is best because uh, we used to do it this way. And and they realized real quickly how, uh, how much better it is and, and things like that for us to, to do it the way we're doing it. But um, you get a lot more more uh, challenge and practice and effort whenever you're going to time something or put some metric on it than you do if you just say, hey, guys, we're going to be out here for three hours and we're going to keep doing this over and over and over. When you take those opportunities away or you, you put something, you know, on the line for those opportunities, you're going to get much better effort um, in those. 
I'm sure you get this question all the time. I know I get it all the time um, here in Macomb. What do you think football is going to look like in February? You know, and then what do you think track meets are going to look like over the summer? You know, do you, do you have a positive outlook on a, on a season right now? I mean, I think that's all we can do. Um, you know, I think a big part of it's going to depend how this uh, wrestling and basketball goes. Um, I think if we can get those, I think they're going to get started with practice either way. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure when they're going to get games started. I hope they do. Um, I think that will impact what happens in the, um, the, the football volleyball season. But, uh, you know, what we're just telling our guys in these contact days is, is to be thankful that we have something that they didn't just cancel everything. And, and uh, so, I mean, we're, we're, we're under the impression that, that we're going to get rolling in February. You know, I don't, we actually have a meeting, uh, our conference is meeting tonight to kind of finalize our schedule and what we're doing for sure. Um, I think a lot of people want to know what's going on in the postseason part of it because, uh, you know, what those two weeks are going to look like or, or can we have a somewhat of a tournament or if it's going to be regional or, you know, I've, I've saw someone suggest just having like bowl games. I think that's kind of a cool idea, you know, like college. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, none of us want what we had last spring where, you know, we all said goodbye to, a handful, you know, 10, 15 seniors um, that had given you three, and this was going to be their year. You know, I know you guys are going to have a lot of talent. And we had probably our best track team we were going to have. And, you know, each, every two weeks, we, we had a little less hope, but, you know, I was as hopeful as everybody that this was going to be over in two weeks and we'd be back, you know, at least by May 1st. And so, uh, you know, the fact that we're in school, we've been in school now for almost three weeks. Um, Things, you know, things haven't been perfect, but they've been as probably better than I thought they could be. Um, we had a good first contact day wearing masks a lot last night. And, uh, you know, so we're going to do, like I told the guys last night, what, whatever hoops we have to jump through, you know, we're going to do it so that we get an opportunity to play and we're going to abide by the rules and we're not going to push the bar um, because we want that chance. And, and so I think if we all do that and, and we do the things that they're asking us to do, I'm hopeful that, uh, we'll get a chance to get rolling for sure. Has there been any, you know, you mentioned, yeah, I, I do. I do think we would have had a really, really talented team last spring. Um, you know, we were hoping to repeat as, as conference champs and send more kids to state. And, but, you know, COVID, we lost the season. There were some positives for me as a coach with COVID. You know, it really made me kind of refocus on learning and, you know, educating and being a better coach and making sure that, you know, I was really hung up on having a really talented roster last season. And, you know, it kind of made me challenge myself of I've got to do, make sure that I have the ability to coach any kid. Right. And I can't just rely on talent, those kind of things. And so there has been some positives for me as a coach with COVID. I know that's tough to say, has there been, you know, as a coach, have you had any like positive, you know, things come out of this, this extra time? Yeah. I mean, it, I got really good at zoom, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think, I've had the opportunity to, to um, purchase and watch a ton of good webinars um, and then get the recordings. Uh, Coach Rathke over there in, in Independence, Missouri, was like a godsend during all this because he was organizing um, all of these. And I've been going back and rewatching them in the afternoons when I get my remote stuff done. And then I've had a chance to participate in quite a few. And I mean, anytime you get the opportunity to put yourself out there, you, you need to have a why and uh you know for the things that you do and and there's times that you're like yeah i'm not sure why we're doing that because that that doesn't fit 
And, and so I think it gives you a chance to evaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it, you know, in yourself. And then obviously, you know, when people challenge you with different or new ideas or things that you can add, um, you know, sometimes when you got when you like things and you want to add them, you got to take other things away. So you got to kind of sort out, you know, what's really helping us be more successful with our kids and what's not, you know, what do I think is, is valuable, but you know, when I listen to these other people talk, it's really not. So I think that's been a cool thing. You know, so I've, I've learned a ton more about different technique things. Like just today I was videoing our, you know, our whole classes running from the front, running from the side. Uh, we're, we're in a block schedule uh, now, which we've never had. We've only had probably, by the time we changed before and after, 35 minutes with our kids. Now I've got 72, 73 minutes with each, with each of our classes. So it gives us more time. Um, it forces me to, because we can't change, to be very uh, specific on what I want because I can't do a ton of stuff. But it also gives me a chance to hopefully individualize things a little bit more because we, we have a longer period that I can work with some individual people um, at different times and, and show video and things like that. Whereas when I was doing the class in 35 minutes, it was just kind of go, go, go with 30 athletes because you're trying to get them through everything. So like I said, I videoed everybody and, and I'll be able to go back through and look at that and show them things that I'm talking about. This is what I mean. This is what you need to correct because our, our kids want to run faster times. They want to jump further. We're, we're record ranking publishing and they understand the value of it. Now it's my job as a coach is I have to give them tools to make sure I'm helping them. It's one thing to, to time athletes, but it's another thing to figure out how to help them and keep improving those times because at some point their mechanics are going to limit them. You know, it may, it may take a while, but, but if they want to, if you want them to get where they want to get to, you know, something is going to be a limiting factor, whether that's the glute meat or, you know, something. And so I think that's going to be fun to, to hopefully find some things that work that way. Um, I, I've thought about doing some individual training with people and I've talked just because I have some more time with COVID and not having football. So um, I think I'm going to start doing that a little bit where we can kind of individualize and I can try out things that, that maybe I can in a large group of 30 or 40. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some positives to it. The family time obviously has been, been huge. I, I got to spend, you know, eight full weeks with my wife and kids both home every day, which at times is great. At other times it's like, okay, I think we all need to go back to work and school, but, but we made it work. And, and uh, you know, I got a lot of projects done around the house, but definitely, you know, there's definitely positives, but I think we'd all trade a lot of things to have that spring season back for sure. Hey, uh, kind of wrapping things up a little bit, you know, what this, the whole point of this podcast is, you know, to listen and learn from other, you know, other coaches, what advice do you have, you know, that maybe we haven't touched on? What advice do you have to a young head coach, young assistant, somebody that's getting their foot in the door in coaching? You know, what, what would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, I think you got to be willing to um, figure out kind of what, what you believe in. And even if it goes against, what other people are doing you know if you find value in something you know a, a certain way to practice drill work a scheme whatever it is you know don't sell out because it's it's not what everyone else is doing i think sometimes like i said there's security in numbers and if everyone's doing it or the big thing you know you have to figure out you know what kind of your non-negotiables are what you like what you don't like and then you know you've got to stand on those you know, good and bad, and, and, and then be ready to adjust. 
um, you know, search out people that aren't doing things the way you are. I mean, it's really easy to have confirmation bias and only be around people that are doing what you're doing all the time. Um, it's a lot harder to, to, to go after guys like Tony and Chris and some of these guys that do things differently than most and try to get things and figure out what they're doing. Um, you know, so I think those two things, you know, be willing to have principles to stand on, even if they go against the norm. Um, and then be willing to adjust those if, if what you are doing isn't working and being able to see past, you know, this is what we always used to do mentality, which I think a lot of us get into that mode where, you know, we've always did this workout. We've always warmed up this way. We've always conditioned at the end. And we've always done these things. Um, and I know I realized like, man, there's so many things that we always did that now we've cut out tons of things that we don't do anymore. And it gives us so much more time to do other stuff, so much more opportunity to, to shorten what we're doing. And uh, I feel like our numbers have been solid for our level. We've kept our coaches. And uh, I mean, I think you got to be willing to, to challenge some of that normal stuff. Um, you know, just because you learned it from the first guy you ever worked with doesn't mean that it's the gospel. Um, and, and be willing to yeah, reach out to guys that think differently. I think that's that's a key to growing. There's so many resources out there now where you don't even have to talk to them in person. You can email, you can um, watch their you know videos, webinars, all that type of stuff, and, and then you can start pulling things from different people to create you know your own idea. Maybe maybe you like this from Tony, but you don't like you know you don't like this part of what he's doing. Well, hey, you know where where does that fit in? Maybe you like this of the old school. Maybe you like to line it up in full pads and have a goal line period on Wednesday to get guys, you know, juiced up. Maybe you like that. Maybe things I do, you, you can't, you can't go only helmets. You just, you need Tuesday and Wednesday to be in full pads, then be in full pads, you know, but if, if things aren't working, maybe you decide, Hey, let's try that, you know, full pads only once a week thing and, and be willing to, to kind of go out on a limb and do that stuff because that's how you kind of figure out, like I said, what's working, what's actually not, and, and so forth. So that, that would be, you know, it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I think you just got to be willing to be different um, to be successful. All right. You know, it's called – you've touched on a couple things, but it's called Coach Growth Podcast for a reason. How's Brad Dixon going to grow, right? What's the plan? You know, like what are you going to do to continue to grow and learn as a coach moving forward? Yeah, I mean, so I, I already kind of touched on it, but every afternoon I, I listen to – probably upwards to an hour while I'm doing other things, um, webinars from, you know, the COVID season. Um, I'm always trying to reach out to different guys about different things, you know, things that we can add in scheme wise, um, things that we can add in training wise. Um, I'm trying new things out, you know, Hey, maybe this will work better. Um, you know, from a football standpoint, um, you know, I, I want to, a, more of the, the speed capacity, speed reserve stuff. What, what are some good things we can do to build that? I understand the max speed argument, but then there comes a time that we have to be better in our repeat sprint ability. Um, last year, we had a, a lot of cramps um, in that first game. And so, so what can we do in practice that's going to, you know, because obviously hydration is, is a key, but, but it's, it's what you're doing in practice. And, and so I even told our guys after that first game, that we, we aired too much on the side of caution. We didn't give you sometimes enough of those full speed reps that we needed to have. Um, and so we're trying to find that, that right mix to where our guys feel good, but we don't kill them. And I mean, we're still always tweaking that, you know, that part that, that we need in football because football, you, you know, you need to be able to 
to sometimes go on those drives and things like that. And how can we do that within what we're doing without, you know, running the slow conditioning at the end of practice and all that? Because we do know that that's not going to be a value. But what can we replace it with? What can we do throughout our practice to make sure that our kids um, have that ability to go out and repeat, you know, their plays over, you know, a period of a game and be able to be, you know, successful throughout the whole game. So I think that's that's what we're working on doing there and, and uh, you know, trying to get to as many TFCs as I can. Um, hopefully hopefully those get started back up. I, I really enjoy those. And, and then, you know, answering people's questions because people challenge you on lots of things and uh, it helps you think. It helps you think through your answer. Um, and if you don't have a good answer, then you got to be willing to say, you know what? I really don't know why that's why we do it that way. And then you then you got to think even differently in that regard. So, you know, we're always evaluating what we're doing uh, with our kids and, and what we're doing. So I always tell people what what we're doing right now, there's a good chance in three years it's going to be a little bit different than it is. And if it's not, then we haven't grown. And so I think you always have to adjust, um, you know, based upon. And I think Corpus says it best. If you're doing the same thing, with kids in their senior year that you did with them in their freshman year, then you really haven't challenged them to, to be better. Um, and so it's always trying to find those different things within drills and, and uh, practice. Well, coach, I really appreciate, appreciate your time. I appreciate you sitting down and talking with me, you know, um, it's been fun competing against your teams over the years, uh, you know, going to your meets, things like that. Uh, appreciate all the valuable information you've put out over the years. I know, you know, I've, I try to absorb and take in as much as I can and buy every webinar you put out, things like that, you know, so it's great stuff and I appreciate it. I know everyone that, you know, buys your content does. So thank you so much and thanks for your time today. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun.